Welcome to Talking Walking, hosted by Andrew Stuck from Rethinking Cities and the Museum of Walking. Talking Walking brings you interviews with people from the world of walking, artists, activists, professionals, and those of us who have a passion for just taking a walk. Where My Feet Fall is an anthology of essays on walking by 20 contemporary authors, brought together by Duncan Minshall. Duncan was for decades an editor and producer for BBC Radio, and if, like me, you're a fan of listening to books read on the radio, then it has been Duncan who's likely to have chosen them. Where My Feet Fall is not his first anthology of writing, on walking, and I'm keen to establish why he chose that topic. Of all the ones he could, from a lifetime career of choosing books for the radio. We meet in Paddington Recreation Ground, a popular London park close to where he lives. You're a former BBC producer. I know you as from uh, Book at Bedtime. That's um, right. And that was a, a, a fairly regular tie that you had with the BBC. Was that, did that run every week? Or? Yeah, I was a staffer at Radio 4 and I used to sort of cover actually three areas. Uh, I started off producing short stories on Radio 4 and then the, uh, the readings team sort of grew and I ended up producing Book of Bedtime and even more so Book of the Week in the morning which was the non-fiction slot where we used to tie in with new publications. And then I used to contribute also as a producer to something called the essay slot on Radio 3 where you would get writers to write a 14-minute piece and then read it themselves. So I sort of covered all the readings. You yourself must have read and listened to hundreds and hundreds of books. Yes. I mean, you take shortcuts when you're considering books for radio. You don't have to often read the whole thing. You read, you know, a good chunk at the beginning and that will give you an indication of somebody's style whether that's a speakable style, good for radio, and whether the narrative line is strong enough to keep an audience for about five or ten episodes. Uh, you know, my mind is here's someone now who is bringing together people who write about walking and yes. also people who generally keep something about walking and what they're writing about. But why did you choose that topic out of all the things you must have listened to or read or considered for broadcast? Why did you choose walking? Well, I've always, I've always been a walker and I was sort of pursuing an interest in walking even when I was at the BBC. I was, you know, writing travel pieces for magazines which invariably for me entailed a walk because I thought that was the best way to explore a place on foot. And if I identify myself as being a walker, it goes back to childhood, you know, walking with my father, who was a great walker, or actually not wanting to walk with my father. It was, it was often a case of rebelling. You know, Dad wanted to go out on Sunday afternoons in North Wales, drag the family along. We rebelled against that to a certain extent, my sister and I, although we still ended up going. But you realise in later life why it was precious to him, that classic Sunday walk. It was sort of like getting the family together for the only time in a week, seeing how everyone else was, 
And my father was a shy man, but on foot, he engaged with the rest of the family. It was sort of walking and talking. They were natural bedfellows, really. And then, of course, you go to college, you've got no money, so you end up tramping around everywhere. Early years in London, ditto, you know, you've got no money, so you, you, you walk to places. And then I just had a sort of mini-revelation, realised. I realised I'd been walking for most of my life, but I'd never really considered it or examined it. And then you realise there's an accompanying literature, fiction and non-fiction, that's on that subject. So I used to read widely about it, and then I started writing, and travel was my area. And as, as I said, the best way to sort of see a place or sense a place is on foot. So it was really through childhood endeavours and then reading the literature of walking or becoming acquainted with a literature of walking that got me into this whole thing about writing about walking and also commissioning other people, existing living writers today. That's the new book, isn't it? Yeah. Remind me again, the title is Where My Feet Fall. That's out in March, at the end of March this year, 2022. And the idea there was to get round up 20 writers I like, ask them to go on a walk or remember an old walk and write it up in about two, three, four thousand words. Of course, when this book was commissioned by William Collins, virtually the next day, you know, COVID appeared around the corner. So half the book is sort of remembered walks, which I like because it takes people back into childhood or back into early days. And then the other half was they just nipped out for a walk. Tell us a little bit more about why you chose to bring things together in anthologies. So was it for you something that you you know, naturally thought would work well? I've done about four or five books on walking. I haven't written my own book about walking, although I write introductions and sections. I think a lot of anthologists try and justify their choices in the introduction. Also, you have to hint that, yes, there are omissions here, but the copyright payments were too large to include them. You know, there's there's an economic angle to it as well as to why there are absences. I'm an editor by trade. That's what I was at the BBC, producer-editor. And the books I've done, I just love collecting together material, editing it. What I love also is this whole thing about juxtaposition. One piece suits going next to another piece. Either it creates a mood or creates a humour or creates a sort of poignancy, putting two or three pieces together that either relate or fight against each other. I love that. And I think you can create a mood or an atmosphere in in an anthology. You know this. There's a whole genre out there of walking into the wilds and extreme walking and While I take my hat off to those people, I'm not like that personally. I am a saunterer. Um, We're going at sauntering pace, aren't we, at the moment? Yes, this is nice. You know, classic walking and talking pace. The thing that I find is that, of course, most of the the sauntering has been done by the wealthy. Definitely. I've done these... um, I do these little books for Notting Hill Editions, which are lovely independent publishers, and they produce beautiful books whatever the topics are i'm on the third one now the first one was called beneath my feet which was a 
basically about walking in the UK. Then there was sauntering, which was sort of walking in Europe. And I'm doing something called globe trotting, which is people have walked all through the world, kind of, not around the world, but just different parts of the world. But you're right, if you look at the 19th century, explorers, tourists, it was a leisure activity. But the flip side of that, there was a sort of a walking out of necessity, which was, I'm too poor to go by any, any other means, or walking to protest, or walking into battle. So, yeah, walking as leisure, but also walking as necessity. It was one of two things. But yes, here we are on a Thursday morning just sauntering around Paddington Wreck, and it's very nice. You know, of all the people that you've chosen for these different books, who would you like to accompany on a walk? Well, yes, there are thousands, aren't there? And I like the idea that you collect all this material and the voices move between the very rational, who just go out for air and exercise and a new view, and if they're writers, they're, they're wanting to escape the desk for a few hours, or they're wanting to sort of garner new ideas. So you go from the very rational to the rather crazy. So there's a whole suite. But yes, I have favourites. I mean, there's Xavier de Mestre, who did a very strange little book called A Voyage Around My Room in the 1700s. He was under house arrest. He was a soldier. So he thought the only way he could stave off melancholy, depression even, was to think that he was walking around the world when he was walking around this set of rooms he was confined to. So I love that. People put him down as the first psychogeographer, which is this, this, this whole movement about walking with a quest in mind or, or walking with an angle. And a walk is sort of... Uh, becomes more exploratory, in, Yeah, it? exploratory, and you're inventing it and, and you're attuned to all the moods derived from that walk so he was sort of a modern voice in that way and and today you've got people like Ian Sinclair and Will Self who are the sort of proclaimed psychogeographers but yeah he was a good guy that was the mid 1700s I mean bringing people up to date I would say Rebecca Solnit wrote a marvellous book called Wanderlust, it's probably the book on walking, there probably doesn't need to be another book on walking really hers was terrific i think that was early 2000s bruce chatwin a travel writer if, if that's what you call him a travel writer wrote well about walking Songlines, his book about australia and then he did a novel called on the black hill which was wales actually brecon beacons around there that's a lovely novel about you know generations who go up into the hills and walk for various reasons there's some favourites. Oh, another quirky one was Werner Herzog, the film director, who walked from Munich to Paris. Now, he was someone who you've interviewed, is that all right? No, I think I recorded some of the extracts for, for the BBC. Oh, and I, I think I wrote a piece about that book being a favourite book, but alas, I never, I never got to talk to him about it. But he wrote that in the 1970s, and it was the walk from Munich to Paris to visit someone who was ill, a friend of his, and he thought the sheer act of will, walking from Munich to Paris, would uh, heal her. It was a sort of health pilgrimage, and she got better. So who's to know it didn't work? Exactly. At least he focused his mind on her, yes. too. You know, if you choose to believe every word, 
he went through every privation from sort of, you know, giant blisters to sort of exposure to, you know, no money, losing his stuff, the, the classic privations of that we experience when we go on a walk. Really. Have you ever considered yourself you want to go on a pilgrimage? I am more a saunter. You just go where the mood takes you. I haven't got any sort of uh, big walking projects. I mean, I have favourite locations. I love coast, coastal walking, city walking. And I'd quite like to walk in a desert at some point because I think the sort of there's everything and nothing in a desert. And I sort of want to... Um, find out about the everything and nothing. We're, we're walking around Paddington Recreation Ground, not far from where you live, and, and within walking distance of where you used to work at the BBC. You were regularly walking to work. And I did. How have you replaced that? Oh, quite that, easily, because I, <laughs> yeah, I tend to sort of... There's this phrase, to go for a walk. I don't know that phrase, because I'm always walking anyway. It's just something I do. It's sort of built in, so I don't think... Ah, where is today's walk going to take me? Because I always seem to be on foot. Even in my house, I'm always walking around the house. It's just something that's, yes, inbuilt. But the walk to work was terrific, because, and I'm sure a lot of people are finding that out when they reluctantly have to go into their offices these days, that the walk into work sort of psychs you up for the work ahead, and then the walk home from work takes the office out of you. So you're winding up going in, and you're unwinding coming home. I used to see that in my father. He, we lived in Chester. He worked in Liverpool for a long time, demanding job. Used to get home sort of ashen-faced with his briefcase at about half past five, six o'clock of an evening. Before the evening meal, he would go for a walk. And my mother used to say, oh, he's getting the office out of him. She knew him, he'd be in a better mood or, or more relaxed if he'd done that walk around the city walls of Chester the Roman walls, come back and then have his meal. The worst thing for you would be if the desert island was so small there was nowhere to walk. I think maybe there's some kind of psychological thing then, itchy feet or a slight restlessness uh... And as you walk all the time or, or, or as a day to day everyday activity, I was going to ask you, can you recommend a couple of places for people to walk? In the UK and we've sort of been more confined these days, well I did a walking piece for Condé Nast Traveller magazine a long time ago about ten years ago, but southern Shropshire, the Black Hills of Shropshire, it's a wonderful part of the world and you know, people do go there but they don't, they don't go there as, as they go to Cornwall or Scotland. That, that, that is a wonderful part of the world. Ludlow, Knighton, round there, where Shropshire uh, nudges up with Powys. Um, and they, you know, it's one of the empty counties of, of the UK. I think it's the second emptiest county after Northumberland. I mean, everyone for years has gone on about the Jurassic Coast. I went down there just to get the work done and, and roaming around Sidmouth, Budley, Salterton, you know, that lovely coast which is crumbling as you walk along it. It, it seems to be alive as, a, as, a, as another little rock fall. And I loved it. And that striking sandstone colour going down into a, well, into a blue sea, actually, it was this summer. That was terrific. And, and what do you think the, uh, the effect of the last couple of years with the pandemic uh, has been on, uh, on, on walking generally? Have you, you've obviously seen an increase in it. Uh, and more than that... What's amused me is when, you know, perfectly intelligent 
reasonable people say to you with their eyes wide open, walking, like walking is the new black or walking is something only a few of you discover in life or something like that. We've all had our feet and I'm not criticizing anti-walkers but it's great when people actually do say oh walking and they, and they leave that car be behind or whatever and they get to a to b on their own feet you know it's great it's great to be out in the world with other walkers even if you don't know them because you you often find when you pass somebody two of you on feet you know you smile at each other you say good morning you know it's 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 wonderful that if I had a declaration to make, I, it's just great to see more and more people walking these days. It's a sort of, whether you're walking on your own or in groups, it's, it, you feel you're part of uh, the human race when you're, you know, people on foot. I mean, what, what I also like about walking, which uh, I think is uh, really valuable, is that it allows you to escape. Yes. Because the uh, process of walking is innate with us. Yes. So... It actually allows our mind to travel, and we can, as you were saying, you know, walk the office out or, or, or get yourself ready for the office. But better still, you, you can let your imagination run wild. Yeah, that, which is why I think walking and creativity go together so well, particularly walking and writing. You know, they say, I think it was Nietzsche said, we, we think as fast as we walk, and... Uh, it's true that the yeah the physical act of walking gets the mind going and and it can get the mind going in a very basic level it just puts you into a brighter mood but it can take you one step beyond that it can get you thinking and thinking leads to creativity so you know you go out for a walk you come back with an idea you just got to remember it and by the time you get back You've been listening to Talking Walking, brought to you by Rethinking Cities and the Museum of Walking. In this episode, you've heard from Duncan Minchell. If you have any views on this interview or any walking issues, we'd love to hear from you. Just follow the links on the Talking Walking website. We look forward to having you along for future episodes of Talking Walking. Written, recorded and produced by Andrew Stark of Rethinking Cities Limited. Our artwork is designed by Ian Martin of Artvark Graphics and the music is composed by Simon Sanders of Easytronic. <laughs>